Good morning, Vietnam! Oh. Welcome to the Aristocrats episode where we cover Aristotle, causation, and geopolitical. Uh, war- no. no, not geopolitical. Just, just, Aristotle, just Aristotle and causation. We'll save that for a later episode. Yeah, exactly. When we run out of philosophy, we'll talk about current affairs. Yes. Sounds like a good idea. On modern history. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that's a good idea. Anyway. That's a good idea. Uh, let's let's just sit with philosophy now. Sit with philosophy now. Um, Aristotle. Yeah, Aristotle. Would so, have made a good lawyer. Would he? I guess. Yeah. I mean, he was probably a quite smart guy. And he was quite a smart guy. convincing people of stuff. What do you reckon he'd wear in court? Like that, um, in the statue picture? Like I robes he'd wear a lawsuit. Thank you, sorry. Um, um, back to the actual episode. That always was a setup to that joke, which you didn't see coming. I did not see that coming. No. <laughs> I uh, thought, like, what a random question to ask. <laughs> what would he wear in court? What would Aristotle wear in court? Just, anyway. Yeah, sorry. I wonder what, um, what was this? Socrates wore in court when he was convicted of just... A toga. Big, yeah. They wore togas. He'd yeah. wear a toga, yeah. yeah. Um, well, Aristotle was an extraordinary man. Was he now? What, how why was he extraordinary, Arthur? Well, for living um, in about 86 BC. BC. 86 BC, is that it? I thought it was like 300 BC. No, it was 384 BC, sorry. 384, right, yeah. Yeah, if we, if, we, if we work together, we get the right yeah. date. Um, so yeah, lived a long time ago. He lived Apart a long from time that, ago. what's extraordinary about him? Well, he lived a long time ago, but he was still the first man to figure out that the world was a sphere. Yeah, and how did he do that? How does that? What you tell me? Okay, so yeah, <laughs> you see what you see what you want to say. <laughs> basically, he he observed the shadow of the Earth on the Moon during an eclipse, and he saw that shadow was round, and so he was like, "Well, maybe this means the Earth's round because I can see a round shadow on the Moon, and the Sun's behind the Earth, mm-hmm. and the Moon's on the other side of the Earth, and I know that the Sun casts shadows on things, and so through this sort of." bit of clever reasoning, he realised that the Earth's round. Another remarkable thing about Aristotle was he was Alexander the Great's tu- tutor, which I think is quite cool. That is quite cool. And Plato's um, tutee. Yes, exactly. But uh, he didn't he didn't Sandwich always... right in the middle of two greats. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't and is great in himself. himself a yeah. great father of philosophy. Yeah, uh, yeah that moon thing, about... the moon thing is really cool. And it yeah. leads us on to the idea of cause and effect, which Aristotle fathered. Yes. Um, basically, what, what did Aristotle think? Well, oh, we're skipping ahead, aren't we? We need to talk about his we rationalism first. We need to talk about first. his rationalist ideas. Yeah. Let's talk about rationalism, because it yes. keeps things orderly-ish. Well, so keeps things rational. Keeps things rational, <laughs> exactly. So Plato's... If back to last episode, oh, yeah, sure, you're, no, you're about to jump in on that. Yeah. Uh, so Plato was an... Uh... No, Plato was a rationalist. Aristotle was an empiricist. I've just written the notes wrong. Okay, it's fine. Plato was the... Plato was the rationalist. Yeah, I'm really sorry. Everything we've just said is a lie made up by the state to control you. <laughs> no. Um, it's actually... Everything well, we've made up... It was inadvertently... Ev- everything we accidentally... Yeah, we, it was misinformation. Right. Rationalism is the belief... That, well, basically, that, you can get to know that stuff without observing the world. you can get to know stuff through your reason... Through purely through yeah, reason. just through reason. Empiricism... Is the idea that everything is learned through empirical senses? Yeah, through through basically through doing stuff, science, and experiencing a scientific the world. process, experimenting. So and Plato was the big rationalist. Yeah, he was lock yourself in the box and think, guy. Yeah, and Aristotle would stare at the moon for a long time to realise the Earth's round. Round, which is empirical. Yeah, exactly. Because he, he, he wouldn't stared be able to do it if he, he wasn't think, staring at the moon. Didn't think at the moon. He stared at the moon. Yep. So good difference. Highly intellectual. Yeah. Well thought out. 
So we need to talk uh, why about. Are we qualified? Um, we're not qualified. We're not qualified this to do this. this. is even better. Um, we need to talk about how he understood his empirical world and his uh, system of per genus et per differentia. Yes, which is Latin for through type and difference. It is, yes. Uh, and was the father of the current curse species categorization system. Made up by Linnaeus. Yes, which is uh, about. Which, which, which is sort of you have your domain. Yeah. Um, which is like the very broad um, category which you fit into, then specified into kingdom, then um, phylum. Ph- phylum, then uh, class, then class, order, order family, family, genus. I'm not going to keep going on with you and saying this is a bit weird. Yeah. But yeah, so he he managed to knock it down to seven, and then a later guy added on the domain. I cannot remember the name of him. Yeah. So, but, but Aristotle only had Aristotle, two. Aristotle, Aristotle had um, was genus. Much this. He and, had. Uh, is it, is no, it no. He just had type and difference. Yeah, or, per genus and per differentia. Yeah, which is so. There's a category um, which defines a, yeah. a, a sort of species, like a cat, like like what like, no, like the species of felines. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And then you have in there you have a specification. A so, differentia. Yeah. A, yeah, which would be like a panther, like panthers. Are a subsection of felines, domestic house cats are a yeah. subsection of felines. Um, so that sort of idea. And he thinks about what makes a house cat different from uh, a lion, right? A fe- yeah. So it's like a, it's a small house cat and it's, I don't yeah. know, it's got small claws, it can't kill so you, what, that sort what of thing. What affected the different? What's the effect that's different between those two? Or what caused there to be a split as well? He also thinks about that. And right. that's what came him to come, that's what um, brought him into this idea of categorization between cause and effect, like narrowing down. Things. Everything is actually of cause and effect. Okay, fine. Well, we may as well talk about. Oh, actually, no. Before we, before we, we just want to do one more difference with Plato, in his. Oh no, it's linked to. It's up to you. I mean, honestly, I don't know where you're going. You keep saying. I was. I was going to say Plato. I was. I was going to talk about how he, how he. This links to his um, empiricism and how he thinks that we can actually learn stuff. Yes, we can go over that. Yeah. Remember last time we made a big point of Plato being rem- remembering things from the forms. Well, Aristotle is exactly the opposite. He uh, takes up our view in that podcast, which is you don't l- remember things. They are, they are taught from birth. You uh, know nothing deep about the world. Mm. And everything taught to you is through experience. Uh, yeah, is through experience. So... To play um, tennis, you would first have to experience uh, holding a tennis racket and hitting a tennis ball, and yeah. you, you would play the sport to then improve and uh, learn how to play it. Yeah, Instead rather of, than just thinking about it for a long time. Rather thinking about it, getting up and then hitting a Roger Federer at 120 mile an hour yeah. surf. <laughs> um, interestingly, this is developed by Hume um, later uh, as, as an argument against um, causation, to, causation to define God. But, yeah, so Hume talks about the idea of cause and effect and learning, not remembering as an idea about um, how the causal arguments for God doesn't work. But it's a tenuous link, so I won't develop it. Okay. And we'll talk about it, and I promise we will bring it up in a later episode. Yeah, sure. When we go into more theo- theological topics. Yeah, sure. So this brings us to his big thing, which you've been going on about, cause and effect, yes. and his four causes, um, which we may as well just get straight into. So, the we could give an overview of what each what the four causes are and then develop them individually instead of le- leaving the cliffhanger of what the next one's going to be the whole okay, time. Okay, you know? so, so the four causes. Do you want to say the four causes? So much. Yes, I'm del- I'd be delighted to. 
To break the suspense. To break the suspense. Oh, break the what's going to be? We've been waiting for this forever. Yeah. The material cause. Bam. First one. Right. The material cause. No, we get, we get to find them afterwards. You just tell them the cause and they can... Good point. The material cause, the formal cause, the efficient cause, and the final cause. Final cause being the last one. I don't know. Who would have thought it? <laughs> um, last one in the list or... Yeah, so now I've hopefully I've whetted your appetite yeah. for Tim to explain the material cause. No, Arthur's going to explain the material You're going to explain the material cause. I'm going to go get a drink. Oh, okay, fine. Well, I'll just keep talking until Arthur comes back. So the material cause is basically what it's made of. Um, so the material cause of this table in front of me is wood, I guess. Um, then you have the formal cause which is kind of its shape. It's like what makes this table in front of me different from a tree? Because obviously a tree is made of wood-ish. There's some leaves and stuff. Do leaves count as wood? Biomass. I don't think so. Biomass, okay. Well, anyway, that was a stupid question. Do leaves count as wood? What <laughs> earth am I on about? Anyway, so... This is why you need me. This is why I need Arthur. So anyway, I'm going to finish up the formal cause and you can talk about the efficiency. I thought you were talking about the material cause. No, I finished the, the material cause. The what formal cause, yes. Yeah, so what, what shape is it and what makes that... What makes it different from other things? I guess you can link this back Have to the... Have you linked pla- it to Plato yet? Because this is no. a really interesting point that links to Plato idea of, and the idea of transcendence and immanence. Okay, I'm first going to talk about the per, dif- uh, per genus per differentiae thing. Right. I think you can think about the formal cause a bit like this. What makes it different from other things? You know, their, their genus is being made of wood, I suppose you could say. And then the differentiae is their, their form, what... what form they take and in the case of a table it's got what four legs and that and in a tree it's got a big trunk and then branches that kind of thing so you talk about where would you be without me i know um a big trunk and things and that yeah exactly so um (laughs) plato develops this idea when he comes to objects as um all transcendent so they're all um come from this transcendent idea of a perfect table of which they're all imitations so there is a transcendent perfect thing of which uh, these are shadows now play aristotle of course believing this whole idea of forms to be a hoax um says no each of these objects in and of themselves are imminent each one is in itself that and right, they're all unique. What, what's imminent uh is it imminent is sort of the thing in itself uh, a silver bowl um, th- like this is a silver bowl because it is in the form of a bowl and, and not shaped to be something else. It's not shaped to be right, the perfect okay, form. Right, sure, that makes sense. It is a bowl because it's a bowl, not Rather a bowl it's... because it's imitating the perfect yeah, form of yeah, a bowl. Yeah, cool, that's a good it's clarification. Imminent. You yeah. with me? Yeah, I'm with you. Cool. Okay, now you talk about the efficient cause. The efficient cause. Now, the efficient cause is um, it's really important. It's sort of the clarification that something does not come about through truly... Uh, purely through nothing. It's there's something is behind, something is um, happening to make something come about. So a table uh, is turned into a table by a carpenter. The carpenter in this example would be the efficient cause. Yeah. Uh, yeah the efficient cause being um, what uh, takes, what, what, what action um, that makes something into something else. So sort of the driving force behind a change in the formal cause. Yeah, if that makes sure. sense. So what the thing that changes it from a tree into a table kind of idea. Yes, exactly. Like the carpenter or the sculptor to turn a block mm. of marble into yeah. um, yeah. a statue. Cool. And then we and have... The final cause. The final cause. The final cause. Yeah, I was thinking down. the exact same thing. Sorry. The final cause. <laughs> this is perhaps the most difficult to understand because we think of 
a cause as a process. We think yeah. of a cause as leading to something else. Exactly, yeah. However, the, form, the final cause is in and of itself the last thing. Exactly. The it final is, thing. Well, is it the final thing? It's, it's its purpose. It's its purpose. So if... We, yeah. we talk about trees again. Sure. When you plant a seed in the ground, you can say the purpose of that seed is to become a tree and to create... And to, to grow um, branches and, and uh, create more stuff. seeds <laughs> and, and then germinate and increase its species. Yeah. So that's the final purpose of that seed. It's not there yet because it's just a small thing that I might eat um, for a snack. Okay, but yeah. Right now, it's purpose. <laughs> Arthur is half squirrel for those who are um, The purpose of that is ultimately, if allowed, to become this tree, this great thing that's able to germinate and continue the species. And then that's the final cause of it. Yeah. It's, it's poipersive. Exactly. It's, it's poipersive. Yeah. It's purpose. It's purpose. It's purpose. It's purpose. I always... I don't go anywhere without a poipus. Yeah. I know you don't, Arthur. <laughs> I don't. Because when everyone asks me, why are you carrying around a poipus? I say, well, I don't know, but it's got a poipus. It gives you poipus in life. It gives you poipus in life. It yeah, does. exactly. Um, oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, so that's, that's the final cause. What's the point of something existing, basically? Um, yes. And it's weird yeah. because we think of a cause of something, as, as we just said, that brings something into existence or at least causes something to happen. Yes. Whereas a purpose is, is kind of removed from that in our sort of understanding of cause. But in Aristotle's understanding of cause, purpose is really well, well linked now, into causes. There's something we can talk about here which is really interesting that um, is the obvious question that this brings up, which is what is the final cause of a human? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so this, really, uh, this is a really interesting debate. Now, Aristotle did believe that humans have, pur- have purposes, um, but he sort of, um, he goes further than just saying, like, uh, I have purposes, like, I listen to music in order to react. He relax. Is, relax. Yeah. What did I say? React. Yeah, react violently. I mean, you are reacting to the music. I'm but reacting to the music, yeah. To relax yourself. To relax, anyway. yeah. Um, <laughs> so, he, he thinks it's way bigger than that mm. like the whole of nature is purposive yeah the whole universe has a purpose the whole universe has a purpose and um it can be applied to ethics where the goal is to be fulfilled by a person yeah it gives you an ethical sort of gold standard gold to, standard, to yeah. apply because because you have this purpose yeah which which we should explain what the purpose is now go for it so uh he believes in this thing called the prime mover mm-hmm. which is I mean, the easiest way to describe it is, is it's, it's kind of like God, but not in the sort of the God idea that we think Judeo of today. Christian, not Judeo-Christian. Yeah, it's not, God. Yeah, it's not like sort that. of a, a God that you can relate to or interact with. Or even the Hindu goddess. There's nothing like that. Nothing yeah, like I mean, I don't think there's any major religion that has a God like the Prime Mover, um, because the Prime Mover is not very nice. Uh, why would you want a God like the Prime Mover? He's about to find out. Yeah, so basically he spends his whole time thinking, wow, I'm so awesome. Aren't I great? And then on and on and on. A bit like Arthur. Um, well, no, it's, um, it's, it's not a very good explanation because he's so much bigger than that. It's the idea that, it, he, that the universe exists purely because of the prime mover. The prime mover is the first cause and the last cause and ultimately the thing that drives all other, all other beings to exist. Yeah. And it is so awesomely intellectually divine mm. that it everything else like humans was... like trees like planets like universes and nebula are so below it and mm. infinitesimally yeah. 
molecularly useless and uh, dismi dismissible that the only thing that really gives it satisfaction in its um, is intellect <laughs> is, yeah, I think it makes sense. Discovering itself. If it's a perfect being, then... I mean, it's not going to interested in things. things. And so it's going to, if it's perfect, then it kind of makes sense that it would reflect on the perfect thing that exists yes. in the universe. Why would it worry about imperfect things when it can access perfection? So while we're complaining and belittling it for being uh, self-indulgent, narcissistic and um, awful, it's not that at all. It's purely, um, as Aristotle would have believed, going back to Greek cultures, uh, just an immutable being. It's something that has... He, it's reached this transcendent level of intellect and mm. so has no need for anything else, yeah. which is ultimately what Greek philosophers would, um, aspire, to, I would think, aspire yeah. to. So for them, it was a perfectly decent god. Yeah. And so this links mm -hmm. to um, mm -hmm. the final cause in that Aristotle thought that everything was trying to gravitate towards this point of perfection, this, um, this prime mover. And so... When, you know, if, if you start saying, okay, so the purpose of um, a, a table is to have food on it. The purpose of food is to sustain humans. And, and the purpose of humans is to, I don't know, interact with other humans. And it's like, the per what's the purpose of, in of in inter interaction then? Happiness. And you just go back and back and back. And eventually you'll realise, what is the purpose of this? And, and you sort of it's the prime, can't think of something. the prime mover comes in. And exactly, it fulfils that gap of purpose that... Well, I think a lot of humans have to feel at some at some level because they realise, hey, life's a bit meaningless without something to fill the void. And I think that's what... No, no, prime I think mover... you have to be careful here because the prime mover is not some um, benevolent god creating the world um, for us. Mm. It's a being that is so far beyond us, it, it brought about the world, not for us, just sort of because it did. It just does it beyond... It's sort of a subconscious... It just happened. The being is so great that it brings things into existence. Things cause... It causes things to have effects around it. Mm -hmm. And it takes no interest or notion. It might not even know that it creates the universe. It is just so great and self-obsessed in itself. So it's not something you could worship and say, thank you for creating the no, world. No, but what I, I think what I was getting at is... I mean, pre, we just mentioned about how it, it provides an ethical um, gold standard... So it does give things, you can say, this is good. And you can look at, maybe look at the attributes of the prime mover. I mean, I don't know. I don't, you, I don't think attributes? it gives, I'm thinking too much about really the Abrahamic. It, I really I? think it doesn't give us an ethical code because it doesn't even know that it's created us. All it does is give us a purpose, mm. which but is if it's to perfect, move towards... If it's perfect, and I mean, we can say it's immutable for mm -hmm. one thing, as in it doesn't... Well, then you'd have to say its nature is perfect, which is yeah, so dismissive, it's, it's narcissistic... Yeah, exactly. So that's what we should aspire to. That's our purpose. So to I be suppose like that does reflect on Greek culture. Yeah, it does. But now you can talk about Feuerbach. Projection yeah, theory is yeah. just exactly what's jumping into my head. Go um, on. Feuerbach comes up with this brilliant um, theory, which is very notable in this um, instance. instance, which is we do not see God as... Um, uh, yeah, yeah. God we, we God... we do not see God as God is, but as we are. So sort of the idea that we reflect our own personality, our own beliefs and our own desires for our culture and society onto God. Yeah. And then through the Bible, we read into the Bible, I suggestically, those ideas and values, mm. and out pops a God who really conveniently reflects all these values, yeah. which, it, which is shown evident in the fact that different cultures depict God in different ways, mm. with different skin colours, different hairstyles, different morals. Different morals. Um, so it's really applicable. 
And here, just as we see, the prime mover is a is a reflection, Feuerbach would say, of what Aristotle, of, of what Aristotle wanted yeah. um, a good, perfect deity to be. Yeah. Um, interestingly, possible, uh, possibly undermining in itself the idea of a specific um, deity, possibly mm. not. Yeah. But uh, let's move on to the idea. Well, actually, I think it's time we do some um, sort of linking. We we can look at. Plato's form of the good. Sure, and compare them, yeah. it's just such a perfect, perfect well, opportunity. Yeah. So, obviously, the form of the good is, as we were saying yesterday, this source of perfection for all things. So, for right from the start, it's different. You know, the prime mover, it, I mean, it affects things in a way that it, it pulls things towards it, but it's not giving us anything, really. Whereas, whereas the prime, sorry, the, the form of the good is... It's, it's almost in its nature to give out. It's giving out goodness. And as I said yesterday about the, the mountain with the streams going down, the form of the good's the source at the top, mm-hmm. those streams of goodness that are flowing out into the it's world. It's like a vacuum cleaner, I was about to say. Yeah, that's the a idea good analogy. Of, you, you can have a vacuum cleaner that blows things out, but then if you have one of those um, very fancy Dyson vacuum cleaners, you can switch it, and it, and it will um, not only blow things out but suck things in or do both vice versa most all vacuums so I've got this the wrong way around haven't I Um, all vacuums uh, suck things up sort of like the the prime mover moves things towards itself intrinsically and then again with the very nice Dyson handheld vacuum not sponsored (laughs) if you want to (laughs) uh, you can switch the settings around and it starts blowing hot air out which is sort of like the form of the good yeah, and I think what this illustrates is that while both things are ideas of of perfect entities, yeah, in their function they are entirely juxtaposed, juxtaposed, mm. and there's no sort of um, overlap in the nature or in the um, intentions yeah. of these things. Even one being considered a being, the other considered being a eternal structure, yeah, an eternal concept. I think this really reflects also how they're almost just like a convenient, um, almost gap filler. You know, yes. Plato's like, yes, how do I make this story work? Form of the good, let's just slap that plaster on it and it works. And likewise with Aristotle, he's like, I don't agree with Plato. I'm going to make my own theory. I need something to make it work. You need, I'll some, just... sort of, you need some sort of ontology, something to, something to base on, a foundation yeah. to, to highlight the whole situation. And so situation? No, Aristotle's whole... like, hey... Um, prime mover let's just use that and i think it they both are almost a bit hodgepodgey and and i mean they fit with the theory yeah but i don't think it's something that you come if you're up ever with... considering to have an intellectual conversation about any of these topics hodgepodgey Hodge... is not the word you use i'll be using that in my final <laughs> no, i don't think i will um you're using that in your finals yeah um <laughs> i it, it just seems it's not it's not this i mean i can't obviously i can't speak for an ancient greek person but it might not be as sort of an intuitive thing that you go to as God. But again, then again, we were talking about projection theory. Feuerbach, so I maybe, think would say, yes, yeah. you do. Because um, I don't think the Greeks would be very interested in, in an affectionate, emotional God. Mm. I mean, you have all the Greek gods, right? But they're quite different. They're not, they're they're ter- not proper gods. They're sort of, they're, they're, they're not all powerful. I think the thing, I think, interestingly, from reading into the um, classics and Greek mythology a lot, I think what you find about them is they're more of a reflection on 
tales of morality, tales of how to mm. act, yeah. and um, sort of like fables. Yeah, yeah. They, they give the people... Yeah. They're like um, parables almost. They, they give, they're parables on how to act, how to behave, and how to well, deal how with... How not to behave. <laughs> how not to behave, and how to deal with dangerous situations and mm. consequences there within. So they're um, more like moral um, moral devices than actual... Yes. However, let's not understate yeah. this. They did believe that these beings existed. Yeah. Let's not understate that yeah, yeah, for yeah. a second. Um, now... We've gone over most of what Aristotle believes in terms of um, ontology, yeah. not any of his other discoveries or beliefs, purely his ontology. Um, but now we let's start to undermine critique and destroy it. Your best, I suppose. I mean, we are taking on one of the great philosophers, philosophers, philosophical minds of of, of all time. Of all yeah. time. And I can't even say philo- philosophical, so that's not a good start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, See, but there's, only one, there's that, only one of us here that knows what the word Suscribidalian means. <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you. It's and only one of us who can pronounce it. Suscribidalian. 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 There you go. Suscribidalian. Shush, let's just get on with this. Uh, it means um, to use unnecessarily long words. Oh, yeah. You, saw, you told me about that, but I forgot about it because it was an unnecessary long word, so I didn't think I needed that. Scientific <laughs> objections to Aristotle's theories. Let's start with that, shall we? Yeah, sure. So... I suppose we could say that his understandings are a bit simplistic. You know, he says, oh, the form, the um, the material cause of this table is wood. Well, is it really? You know, it's atoms. But then there's the whole Einstein's theory of relativity. And, and that tells us that actually energy and matter are kind of interchangeable. Inter- interwoven. Yeah. And, then, and so you could say, well... The material cause of this table is actually energy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it still works. You can still say well, the material cause of energy. I think it goes, it goes, it goes even. F- you can go even further than that into um, the idea of dark energy and dark matter and things, and say that there's this um, there's this idea of this whole other. Um, I'm not going to uh, argue to be an expert on this, but there's this whole other um, force in the universe of dark of, of antimatter and anti electron and dark matter. Well, dark matter's not proven. But then there's like this this whole other under the table thing that he didn't even know existed at that point, mm. um, and to say the least, that would surely so what, there's a form for... of the bad as well. <laughs> also, oh, I don't I don't know just sort of the idea that it would. Um, I have to imagine that if Aristotle were to come in to contact with some of these theories, some of these mm. ideas, um, like Maxwell's Maxwell's electromagnetism and stuff, that he would be forced to rethink some of his causation ideas or perhaps develop them. Yeah. Okay, I don't know what Maxwell's thingy if electrons is, but sure. What, why are you looking at me like that? I don't know. Because <laughs> he's one of the... He, he was like one of the greatest uh, physicists of all time. Interwoven into his ideas of the, the links between um, electricity and magnetism was even uh, implicitly rel- relativity before um, Einstein. He was brilliant. Okay, Absolutely cool. brilliant. Anyway... Uh, let's move on. Philosophical objections. The philosophical objection to Aristotle's theories is significant. And Arthur sips his water, so we're going to turn over the page. Um, so what, what can we talk about in terms of uh, philosophical objections? Um, well, I'm going to take one that I find quite interesting and I like because I find logical fallacies quite cool and I think Aristotle definitely falls foul of one of them, which is the fallacy of composition. So Aristotle looks at the world and says, huh, we all seem to have purposes. You know, the, the purpose of this table is to have food on it or whatever it is. Uh, examples we've used before. 
And so he thinks, well, because all the things in the universe have a purpose, that means that the, the whole universe, universe has a purpose. purpose. But yeah, but say, let's take a clock as an example, right? People. No, I want to. I want to talk. I want to talk about clocks. Clock. I'm going to talk about people. Okay, you can talk about people. Brilliant. Yeah. So. All the bits, all the pieces of a cl- of a clock are like cogs and and stuff. But the clock itself is not cogs. Yeah, clock. I don't know what a clock's made of. I'm not a flipping clockmaker. Um, it's clocks. It's cogs and glass and and some numbers and you all that sort of thing. You can't see me, but I'm pinching the bridge of my nose hard enough to give myself a migraine. Oh, that's just very disdaining of my despairing. My my use of language. Despairing. Despairing. Use all of right. So the whole point is that sure each each individual part of the clock is is a cog or a spring or something, but the whole clock itself it's a clock. So you can't say that because a clock is made up of cogs and and springs and that sort of thing, then a clock is cogs and springs. No, a clock is a clock, and so you have to say the things that make clock up a is clock. Not a collection of cogs, springs, bearings. It is it is a timekeeping piece. So it can be once, once you combine them all together, it gives itself a new new net, identity. New identity, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so mm-hmm. yeah, and this and this in the same way. So you're if if you use if you fall foul of the fallacy of composition, you're saying the things that make up something their attributes they have purpose. doesn't or or just because they have a specific ad- attribute doesn't mean that the final product or the overall construction has a, that same attribute. So Arthur, you can, you can take the example of humans. I think this is brilliant when linked to people, because uh, you might have already uh, acknowledged this when picking it up from Tim's limited explanation, <laughs> that uh, humans have things like hearts, which uh, pump blood around the body. We have um, white blood cells, we have red blood cells, each with their individual components and, and purposes to keep us alive and keep us safe. We have ears to hear, eyes to see, a nose mm. to smell, and a mouth to eat. Yet, when you combine all these things together, what we don't have is a sack filled with nose, eyes, uh, blood, and a couple of white blood cells. We have a human, right, with, with rationale, with reasoning, with thought processes, and with agency, probably. Mm. Um, and so you say, well, a human is more than some of its parts. You can't fall foul of saying a human is purely a lung that breathes in and out. It, it's a human. And so then you can argue, do humans, by the same logic, we cannot say humans, we have purpose just purely because our we exist, just because, our, just because the things that keep us alive have, have the purpose, purpose of keeping us alive, alive yeah. does not mean we and ourselves have a greater purpose. Yeah. And so that's, that's a really interesting idea because it undermines a lot of classic atheist um, ideas of um, purpose. So the classic argument saying, well, we're here, aren't we? We've got to be doing something. Hmm. Is no, you're falling short of the fallacy of composition, yeah. just as Aristotle arguably yeah. is. Yeah, I suppose you could undermine sort of existentialism with that sort of thing. One thing I would pick you, you up can't. on... And existentialism is this, is, is you don't have a purpose. It accepts the fallacy of composition. Right, okay, I misunderstood you. Um, so I, I want to pick you up on the thing where you say uh, we're not just a sum of our parts. Mm-hmm. Why not? I think if you're a purely materialist, you would say, well, yes, you are. You're just your parts. That's all you are. That's true. When I, I let, me, let me specify what I meant by that. I meant when you say we're not purely the sum of our parts, uh, I, I'm not to say, I'm saying we don't have more of a purpose than um, our parts have a purpose, if that makes sense. Oh. So we don't have a purpose extending more than um, our organs keeping us alive. We don't, right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, what are the what are the criticisms can we bring up? Um, uh, we can bring up uh, Dawkins. Uh, oh, sorry, 
Bertrand Russell. Um, Bertrand Russell's idea, um, which is arguably an argument against the existence of God, but not, but it can be linked into this. Yeah. Which is the idea that um, it's very difficult to assume that the universe has a purpose. Yeah, because there's so much uh, stuff in the universe. there's so much stuff going on and there's so much stuff we don't understand exactly. But I think you can also say there's so much that doesn't seem to have a purpose. You know, there's massive just empty space in the universe between the between stars and between galaxies. It's like, I mean... As far as we're aware, in the stand, current standard model, it doesn't have a purpose exactly. at all. Except to make it harder to get to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Bertrand Russell says, I should say the universe is just there and that's all. Um... It suggests that thinkers like Aristotle, later Aquinas, interestingly, in the same vein... Well, he really was into uh, Aristotle, would <laughs> yes, yeah. ...a finding purpose where it does not exist. Mm. I think, I think mm-hmm. evolution's a good example. Before evolution was, um, was sort of discovered, the theory was sort of put forward, people were like, well, obviously... Were they like, or were well, they actually? They were, they were actually... Well, I, didn't, I can't say they were actually, because it could probably didn't be the same they word. Were. They were, okay, people were... People thought that, that humans had been sort of created. You know, you see these, these beings that are ridiculously complex and you think, surely there must be some sort of creator behind this and some sort of purposive intent that caused this fantastically complex machine to come about. And then evolution comes along and then and it brings forward, well, I, say, I say evolution, Charles Darwin comes along, along with his friend whose name I've forgotten because Charles Darwin kind of published it without him and... Yes, there, there were two biologists who developed the idea. Um, and Charles Darwin, Darwin published the first. First one yeah. to publish a book. So unfortunate how that happens. Yes, yeah, I guess it's just the way the world works. The other guy though does get credited for the reason why bees have stripes. Well, good for him. This <laughs> <laughs> his entire work. Yeah. Is animals and stripes are dangerous. Right. Okay. That's nice. Anyway, so so evolution. That's. It gave you this, this alternative to a purposive God creating you. It said, no, there's just this random, well, massively destructive cycle of death and reproduction that leads you to the animal that can reproduce the best surviving. And so you end up with this, fan- this fantastically complicated human being that is fantastically com- com- complicated, not because it was built that way, but because exactly that's how it survives best. And so we can really undermine his idea. Another we can link this to the larger scale of the universe exactly. and say the universe is not actually it. It's actually just some sort of equivalent of evolution has brought it. Mm, brought it. When I say equivalent of evolution, I mean some understandable natural, yeah. natural random cause yeah. uh, that has brought it here, not a fantastical prime mover. Yeah. Or as Bertrand Russell argues, God. Yeah. The Abraham in the Abrahamic sense. Yeah. Sure. Uh, now. The Big Bang Theory, which is a perfect link to this, if true, does undermine the idea of the prime mover in at least a very simplistic scientific mm. understanding that it is a singularity of which all things move out from. Mm. Whereas the prime mover is an existence that moves around uh, consistently and, and creates causes. I thought, no, the prime mover things move towards. Yeah, yeah people move things to move towards it, but it doesn't stay in a singular location. It's sort of this, as I see it, this giant amorphous blob moving around, sucking things into it as it goes. Sort of like a black hole, mm. in the sense that the singularity, if it was a singularity from which all things um, began, is, is more akin to the, the Abrahamic God, or even the form of good. Yeah, I mean, big, I don't know, I feel like the, the prime mover could just be whizzing round and round in circles really fast, pulling things towards it to, 
to, to create this big bang, this massive, super fast expansion, because the prime movers just Even going round the roundabout over caught. and over. <laughs> well, everything finally hit it and just blew up. No, I mean, fanciful, no, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a singularity that the prime mover creates, let's say, and then it's just sort of imagine just driving nature, around, driving right? around. What it goes against his nature. Remember, it did not create the universe with intention, according to Aristotle. I know. I'm not, I didn't say it did it intentionally. Just the universe popped into existence, and the prime mover felt like going on a jolly round and round and round in circles. And so it just happened to cause expansion because things were being attracted that way, then the other way, then the other way, then the other way, then the other way. On and the other hand... It's very fanciful. I know, but is, possi- is it possible? I don't think so, because if the prime mover had equal attraction at all times, mm-hmm. they would put it one way, and they'd put it another way, and they'd put it another way, and they would cancel out. So we wouldn't have a big so bang what you're saying is the, the giant, divine, ultimate, perfect being beholden to no one that it is so obsessed in itself that it cannot see to deign deign to consider mortal beings is beholden to our current understandings of the laws of physics. I don't know. This is just a, 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 a suggestion. Right? I think you've gone off on rather a, yeah, rather yeah, a yeah. tangent that's led yeah. you a bit off on a cliff. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think I'll, 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 I'll... No, I won't stick with what I've said. I think. not going to die it, on that hill. No. <laughs> um, religiously, it's also um, possible to criticise the idea of the prime mover, though I see that more as an objection of our current society and our need for... A sort of a loving good god over well, yeah, anything I mean, else. Certainly, We've already touched on this, haven't we? Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's very different from the Abrahamic gods mm-hmm. that's personal mm-hmm. and loving. It's just, doesn't and, really care and about yet humans. is what would have been accepted in Greek, in Greek times as, mm-hmm. as the best person yeah, god. Yeah, I mean, why would you want a god that loves and, like, what the heck? Why would you love somebody that's so emotional? <laughs> yeah, there's Plato and Aristotle exactly, and yeah. on. The very few, one of the very few things they would. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think we can conclude this, that obviously his theories have a lot to be desired if you want to extend them into modern physics. Yeah. They fall very flat on <laughs> oh, their I face. I think, I think Timothy, Dr. Timothy Mears could, could, could find a few solutions to the, uh, the problems with modern physics through some pseudoscientific <laughs> theories. Through a divine being on a dirt bike. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> Going round and round and round about. Yeah, no, let's move on. However, I think it is obvious to say that despite having no lab equipment, no telescopes, no... Microscope? No microscope, no uh, scientific understanding that comes from years of scientific experiment. He's not building on the shoulders of giants, as Newton would have said. Yes, he's not. He's standing at the very bottom. And yet some of his ideas extend far enough... To be relevant, to be used today, contemporarily, yeah, Uh, to to become contemporary, and so I think it's impossible to not want to develop some of his ideas, Mm. and also it's very important I think to have a grounding in this idea of Aristotle because it is built on by Aquinas and Descartes Mm. and and so many uh, philosophers that move into it. Even Kant touches on it in his ideas of a rational, fair universe. Mm. Um, Yeah. It, 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 all so many philosophers use this as a springboard to to create new and wonderful. Yeah, I think it ideas. helps that Aristotle covers so much stuff. I mean, we haven't yes, barely scratched the surface. We've, I mean, we've done his I, ontology. We, that's it. Yeah, we don't. I mean, I don't know. Probably ninety percent of what Aristotle's done, I have no idea. You know, because he just covers so much, so many different areas. And I do, but I don't have time to explain it. Oh to yeah, him. of course. Yeah. Um, um, so, so yeah, he covers so much, and so it. it it means that he influences so many different areas of our thoughts today. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
Are we going to do some? I think questions? we're going to do some uh, some debating arguments for and against, and then finally a question. Okay, fine. So arguments for and against what? What would you like to discuss? What haven't we got? What haven't uh, we done? Aristotle's methodology. What of the uh, per genus per differentiae? Well, we Is could that talk his... about that, or we could talk about cause and effect. Cause and effect. All right, I'm happy to. Um, Start. I mean. Yeah, I mean, I think cause and effect is very intuitive. Um, you sort of, you, you, it seems like when I, I don't know, push this flower pot in front of me, you know, the cause of my hand touching and pushing it, applying a force, causes the effect of it moving across the table. It, you know, when you look at the universe, it makes sense, uh, or sort of cause and effect. Through the lens makes of sense. Exactly, makes, that's, what, that's what I was trying to say. It makes sense through the lens of cause and effect. So I think it's certainly a very intuitive thing that it just it seems correct when you think about it, but then... However, that's a fallacy in itself. Just wanting something yeah. to be true does not... Not wanting it, but just thinking that's intuitive. Wishing, just because yes, something's intuitive doesn't, doesn't make it true. doesn't yeah. make it true. And I think this is a really, really good uh, idea. And only recently could you have ever uh, scientifically come to disprove these things. Uh, like, the idea of quantum, the idea of cause and effect, is not necessarily true. Even the idea... That that um light is both the the photons are both waves and particles simultaneously, uh and act differently depending on observation. I mean these sort of idea and the idea that you can have um you can have two particles um that are linked on opposite sides of the universe acting in tandem to each other through some sort of inexplicable force mm. um linking them. There's there's no discernible cause and effect chain. Which uh, under undermi- underlies the world of uh, quantum. Yeah, yet, I mean, it may just be that our understanding is just yeah, too it could limited. Yeah, just be our ignorance. It. But it certainly suggests it's, that we have a bit of a simplistic understanding of yeah, cause and effect. And, and I think that is exactly what undermines the idea of cause and effect, and at least Aristotelian. Well, certainly a, a, a certainty in cause and effect, because there are things that seem to suggest that that's not what happens. And as our world's views expand, uh, we, we begin to question and develop the idea of mm. cause and effect. And, and I mean, it's not like we're, I mean, you we're, can't dis- we're not discredit Aristotle for not coming I, I don't, up with three hundred eighty-four BC. I don't think we can disprove cause and effect either. We're not disproving yeah. it. We're just saying this isn't as clear cut as Aristotle would have said. Yes, uh, and yet you've yeah. got to give him credit for three hundred eighty-four BC. Yes, coming for sure, up with for sure. This idea. Right. What else can we? Um, I think. We what can... else can we discuss? Anything else that we have missed? Um, we can talk about essay questions. I think. Yeah, let's do let's do essay questions because they're quite fun. Our choices are: To what extent has modern cosmology made Aristotle's views on the? We've talked about talked that. We talked about that very extensively. Um, Aristotle's prime mover is an unconvincing construction to fill a hole in his theory. We've already talked about that. Unfortunately, talked about that. Um, Aristotle's theory of the four causes explains let's talk about nothing. This. Aristotle's understanding of the world is more convincing than of Plato because that's good because we can evaluate Plato and we Aristotle. We have talked about that though. We have, have we? talked less about Aristotle's theory of the four causes. Explains nothing. Okay. Discuss. I mean, it's quite a, it's quite a um, damning. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a hard line to take. Um, I mean, oh, I don't know. I'm gonna refill my. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking. I think it's certainly it's like cause and effect. Quite intuitive. It makes sense that you have certainly the first three causes, um, the material cause. And the formal cause and the efficient cause, those three certainly... Do they explain ma- anything? Do they explain anything or do they, they just tell you what's there? That's a good point. Um, exactly what my uh, initial criticism of it was. Oh, go on then. 
The idea that the four causes explain nothing. I think the key aspect of this question is talking about expl- explanations. Mm, yeah. Because to say there's an efficient cause, which links to th- which is like the carpenter creating the table, is so vague that it explains nothing. Because what is an efficient cause? It's uh, it's a chemical reaction. It's a biological process. Yeah. It's a human action. It's a universal constant. It's gravity to uh, delve into that. There's there's sort of almost infinite. Um, there's sort of a plethora of these causes that could be the efficient cause uh, that could be applied to any possible situation of which Aristotle gives no, yeah, no indication of which one to put into which situation, and that. I think undermines the idea of expl- explanation because it doesn't give explanation because mm. it's so vague as to say it is what it is. Mm. It is almost almost yeah. at that level. Yeah. It's just for it is what it is. Is mm. um, I mean yeah yeah you're right. I think there is a uh, in um, to to the sort of initial initially looking at it it makes sense. Once you think about it more, you think, hey, wait. All he's doing is saying what's already there. Mm, yeah, and I mean, it doesn't really, doesn't ex- what it doesn't really explain stuff. It almost just classifies things. Yeah, as per genus, per differential. Exactly. Yeah. I think that is the reason we we personally have accredited it, that as one of his main discoveries is because it's or the ideas, most useful, even. ideas. Yeah. It's because it's one of the most useful ones, and also an almost reflect reflective of his greater ontologies, which are. Uh, almost Im- imitations of this idea that he's seen this happens in the natural world and so uh, can I expand that to the universe this mm. idea of uh, speciation yeah um. so another criticism I think we can make of um, his four uh, his four causes theory is that um, the final cause is the only sort of thing he brings isn't just saying it's it a, is it what is, it is it like is you were just saying that is an explanation and so I think we can we can look at this idea, and as we already have, we can attack it and say, look, yeah, it, it, it's a convenient way of, um, I suppose, filling a hole in his worldview in, in his theory. Um, but is it realistic? And I think, you know, we've already discussed the problems with the prime mover, um, and that, especially with the Big Bang, it seems to quite contradict um, sort of the understanding that we have of it. And I think that's a good way of, of also saying that the four causes does explain nothing um, and any, or even the explanation that it does bring is, is counterproductive. Well, no, no, yeah, I, I, think, I think to specify that, the final cause does give an explanation. It does give an ontology. It mm. does say things happen with a purpose. Things have a purpose. People have a purpose. So this happens because. Plants have yeah. a purpose. This happens because. Then it goes on to talk about the prime mover. However... The issue with this, to then knock it down, is his um, explanations he gives are not justified. Exactly. He doesn't give... This is a um, recurring theme with many uh, ontologies, but it, it's ultimately not justified um, enough to say it's a concrete explanation mm-hmm. for anything going on in the world. And so th- therefore I think it doesn't... Um, I think you could say it explains something, but I think the explains is just blatantly wrong. Yes, or it might be right, but it's not. It's not certainly right. By any it's not certainly right. And the more we develop our understanding of science, the more it is mm. proven wrong. Yeah, um, and then I think also back going back to the final cause. I think again we can attack the idea of, of purpose. You know, 
we've, we've discussed this again before, evolution does that suggest purpose? I mean, certainly I think quite a lot of people would say no, it doesn't suggest purpose. And so you can use that to again attack the final cause, not necessarily saying it doesn't explain anything, but what it explains mm. is not helpful, basically. It is not helpful. Yeah, it's nothing. Exactly. No, it's I don't think it, it's not nothing. It's just not helpful. It's explaining something, mm. but it's explaining wrong. Mm -hmm. no, yeah. yeah. So the four causes does not really explain... At least it explains you say nothing, nothing about reality. Is it, yeah, I was gonna say it explains nothing about reality, reality on a cosmological scale. Mm. But it does explain things about how to categorize species, and he does give ideas on how to make sense in a very I think simple scale. We're expanding scale. it out too much. We're expanding it to Aristotle. Uh, Aristotle. <laughs> Aristotle explains nothing rather than Aristotle's theory of the four causes explains nothing. I think you can say that. Yeah, Aristotle. it's very specific. Yeah, it's yeah. a good point. Aristotle explains a lot, the four causes less so. Yeah, yeah. I almost think, to sum up this episode, that the four causes are a symptom of Aristotle's more interesting scientific discoveries. The idea that he comes up with these brilliant uh, theories, like the, the, the moon, um, the, the world is round because yeah. of the reflected shadow and the, uh, and the categorization of species. And I think he, he's got... The, he's got the idea of cause and effect mm, and of needing yeah. categorization so caught up in his head that when, when he's asked to become a... <laughs> when he needs to become a philosopher and to come up with an ontology, uh, which many of the ph philosophers back then needed to have... Well, didn't need to have, but tended to have mm. when they were asked about the nature of reality because it was so up in, uh, up in the air about what it was. Mm. He extended his scientific knowledge and, and research into this ontology, which is not frankly applicable. Yeah. And they, yeah. they don't overlap, and yet he's created it from his more profound scientific discoveries. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like it's an afterthought. Yeah, I guess you which could is say an so. unfortunate ending for a 45 minutes. <laughs> a whole discussion. A whole is an afterthought of yeah. a man 2,600 years ago. Yeah, two, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, I mean, we can't speak for him. You never know. You never know. It might, it might have been more important. Than yeah, that. but he, he obviously has many things that he's very proficient at mm -hmm. and has great insight into. Mm -hmm. And just because we study philosophy doesn't mean that philosophy is Aristotle's greatest insight. No, it just means it's the only thing we have any yeah. uh, authority to talk about. Just pushing it. <laughs> yeah, pushing uh, it. I mean, then again, I mean, so many people do use Aristotle's philosophy to build off, as we said before. Very good point. So maybe it's us that have too limited understanding of, of Aristotle's philosophy perhaps, rather than Aristotle's. Or having. perhaps, though he came up with it as an afterthought, it's such a great base springboard for other theories, ethical or philosophical, mm. to, to branch off from, that the tributaries his theory creates almost create their can almost create their own rivers larger than mm. the original source yeah yeah it, yeah so he is brilliant he's yeah. a brilliant philosopher and one i think we've done a very uh, mixed mixed <laughs> um mixed bag of explanations into his causation yet it was very i think it's very important to talk about him yeah, to look into him definitely. next week uh, we are not entirely leaving Aristotle, Pla Plato or Aristotle, and yet we're moving on to a broader topic yeah. where we're going to bring in more philosophers uh, from across a br uh, broader span of history, uh, talking about the soul, mind and body topic. Basically, uh, what are you? you?
Who are you? Well, not even who you are. Yeah, what are who you? Who are you? Who yeah. are you? Yeah. Um, uh, so, so what is your soul? What is your mind? And what is your body? Are they the do same? Do they exist? Do they exist? Are they different? Yeah. Uh, are, they, are they separate? Are they uh, sort of intertwined? Can you categorise them as either? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We're going to bring in lots of really interesting people uh, and also, of course, link it back to some of the geniuses. And you'll get your first taste of Aquinas and Descartes. It's going to be a really brilliant episode. Let's hope so. Uh, look forward to <laughs> doing it next week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Yeah, uh, thanks catch for on the flip flop.